Today's world is noisier than ever, but we still want to make our message count. The secret? Being intentional about what messages you actually deliver. But what's the point of being intentional if you're not being true to who you are? Making your message authentic means you keep something that money can't buy, and that's your reputation. So join us today on Subject Matter, where we discuss the questions you need to truly answer what you want, how to use them to reverse engineer your desired goal, and what happens when authenticity and intention fuse together that can make it your secret weapon. Welcome, listeners, to Subject Matter. Ben, good morning. It's an exciting week. We are approaching the end of the holidays. But as we get to the ending of this year, I have a question for you. Rather than focusing on the end, what new beginnings have you achieved this week? Good to see you, Tom. Always a pleasure. My new beginnings this week is actually a throwback to something I have been doing previously, and that is starting to create video content again. This week, I posted my first video in months on LinkedIn with one Richard Moore, another very talented creator here in London. And it felt good to be getting back into the swing of creating more consistently along with subject matter. And I'm looking forward to seeing that theme continue, especially being more intentional about the message that I'm sharing. How about you, Tom? What new beginnings have you had this week? You know, I could tell you, but then I'd miss all the ammunition of my first story. And that's the topic we're actually going to start with today. I'm being intentional right now with a little thing called Lunchbox. So about 10 months ago, we ended up coming up with an idea of an anti-theft festival bag, which is now uh, has a variance of application across different markets. But the original idea was, hey, how do we stop pickpockets at festivals? And the big thing here is that it was that original thread, that thought, paired with ruthless intentionality along the way, that's kind of gotten us to a product and a marketable front. Our Kickstarter actually launched only a a few weeks ago, but the product was 10 months in the making. So it took being intentional about discovering our market and conducting hundreds and hundreds of product interviews. It took being intentional about being slow and steady about understanding every single new feature. It took being intentional about building prototype after prototype and not cutting corners along the way. It took being intentional about putting together pre-orders. It took being intentional to fully understand what my, my target market thought. And it took being fully intentional at every single step of the way that ended up getting Lunchbox fully funded on Kickstarter. So it's kind of an, it's an acute understanding of who I'm targeting, but it also requires an acute understanding of what I'm building in the first place. So I'm not interested in selling backpacks or hydration backpacks. And I'm not really interested in anything else except tackling the problem, in this case, theft at concerts. Now, my bags actually have kind of an interestingly wide demographic of hikers, of mountain bikers, of world travelers. And we might just get there. But our focus is solving problems first, in this case, festival theft. And we're intentional about how we defeat that. So I know my target audience. So therefore, I know exactly the type of content I'm going to put out in order to enrapture that target audience. I am being intentional about my message. So that's one way to share your message, Tom, being intentional about what you're going to achieve and then reverse engineering. But let's face facts, Tom. Not all of us listening have started a company. Some of us are just building up the confidence we need to share our first message. And what if you don't know where you're going or who your message is for? In that case, I'd argue that being intentional doesn't work at all. 
you'd only end up working yourself towards an artificial goal. And instead, we need to do something before that to find our message. We need to find things that are true to us. And that's because people can smell authenticity from a mile away. And that's what should make up our image. And this is what should make up what we stand for. But what if you don't know what you stand for? Then again, we need to take a step back. And here are some helpful questions that you can use to help you stop, think, and understand what's really beneath the surface. And the reason we bring this up today is because this is something I was thinking about myself earlier in the year a lot. I was living in New York and I knew I'd be moving back to London, but I didn't know what the next chapter of my book was going to look like. And so to help me write it, Tom and I sat down and asked some hard questions about where we're going to go, where I was going to go over the next couple of months and years. And this gave me a pretty comprehensive understanding of what the future is going to look like. So you can do this too at home, listener. So ask yourself, what do you hold to be true about the world? What's the baseline that you need just to survive with no bells and whistles, but what will just help you survive? And when we come to terms of survival, that means maybe leaving your Lululemon at the door and going instead with something from Kmart. Sometimes that's what it takes. Or for all your UK listeners, I'll translate to Primark there. And finally, if you can splash out on the Lululemon, then what do your ambitions think that you need? What is it that you actually want to drive towards? And figuring out these tough questions allows you to craft messages that don't just align with your goals and your intentions in a faraway universe, but actually who you are as a person today. If you can't appeal to an audience just yet, then you need to make sure that you are at the very least appealing to yourself. Yeah, but Ben, let's be honest here. If you don't know who it's for, then you're not trying hard enough. You need to know where you're going or at the very least have a general sense of direction. Otherwise, it's kind of like throwing darts in a dark room. You might hit the bullseye if you're lucky and in a million to one odds, but you sure as hell don't deserve it. And you damn sure won't do it twice. So I know someone exactly like this who won't be named. Crazy talented, smart, driven, but lost. Right now, he's in a dark room with little experience and no sense of clear direction. Simply put, he needs to start turning on the lights that illuminate each corner of the room by testing different industries to see what he enjoys. He might do this by taking informational interviews or interning or working in three different companies over the course of three years, but at least trying different things. And by doing this, he's going to realize that the room that he originally stood in that was super dark and had no light has a lot and lot and lot of corners to check out. So it's good to understand these key characteristics about yourself, but we need to take initiative with new situations so we can build the situational context to know if you're on the right track in the first place. We can combine this intentional way of doing things with another approach, how we consider reverse engineering the outcome. In his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey calls this beginning with the end in mind. Quoting now, it means to begin each day, task, or project with a clear vision of your desired direction and destination, and then continue by flexing your proactive muscles to make things happen. So Ben's given you an exercise to think through on authenticity. So let's come back with one to reverse engineer together as well. Number one, pick your goal and hammer it with questions. 
ask yourself, what do I want the outcome of my message to be? What change do I want to create? For Lunchbox, we wanted to fix a problem. What was the problem and what are ways to fix it? Then you need to start breaking down the individual discrete steps to get to your goal. Be obsessive about breaking out each step. How will you get there? What needs to fall in place? For Lunchbox, we needed to hack together bad prototypes to figure out if features worked or not. We had to ask hundreds of people if they actually thought what we built was meaningful. We had to basically go and prove out every single step of the way. So once you've come up with this high-level goal and you've worked back from it and you've put one specific discrete step of action along every single potential thing that needs to get done, what you have in front of you, whether it's written or in your head or in your iPhone notes, once you've broken that down, you now hold the keys to a practical roadmap that you can follow to make sure that you are always moving towards your outcome. You're getting to the end destination as quickly as possible. You're starting to move towards your goal because you finally know what it is and how you're going to get there. And this calls back to episode one, making fear your best friend friend. Because if you're a loyal subject matter listener and you listen to that first episode, you'll know that action cures fear. And in this case, breaking your goal down to the smallest possible action is going to make sure that you get started. But reverse engineering, Tom, to the final outcome might help you build early traction and keep you moving fast. But when you're starting your career or you're just starting out on that goal, a need for speed can be dangerous. And let's look at a real example of this. The popular game manufacturer Zynga found this out the hard way. They had a CEO who was incredibly capable with his entrepreneurial experience, Mark Pincus. And Mark created a culture that was centered around high-speed growth. And sure enough, the company grew massively under the success of games like Farmville that was twinned to the Facebook platform. But this rapid growth came at the expense of what made Zynga so damn good, and that was their innovative games. They had narrowed their visors too heavily in one direction so that they ended up missing the burning need to be authentic in their company, and that was to be innovative. Do people still wear visors nowadays, man? Well, I don't know if people still wear visors today, Tom, but I can tell you that Facebook left theirs at the door many years ago. We discussed this company on an earlier episode of Subject Matter, and their mantra was move fast and break things. They certainly hadn't heard of a visor. But after a slew of disastrous appearances, they saw the need for change. And Facebook changed their mantra to the not-so-catchy move fast with stable infrastructure. But forget catchy slogans, this mantra kept Facebook alive. Now, unfortunately, Zynga didn't see the writing on the wall, and they ended up cutting 520 employees, which was around 18% of its workforce. The massive scale that they were intentional in pursuing quickly became their Achilles heel. So what's the lesson here? Forget speed and intentionally moving towards something. That's my argument. Instead, build quietly, just like my co-host Tom did. You might be arguing for intentionality today, Tom, but we both know that you built Lunchbox for 10 months in silence before showing it to the world. You didn't run before you could walk. And being as real as you possibly can be is not going for the home run straight away, but it damn well preserves your integrity. 
Slow and steady builders might not scale so quickly, but their reputation has a much higher chance of being preserved. And today, the world is very small, and it only takes one dent to your fragile reputation for it never to be forgotten. But Ben, moving quickly doesn't always have to come at the expense of your reputation. In fact, it can often make it. Look at visionary Richard Branson. He's incredibly focused on pursuing new markets, and he's intentional about his personal message. And most importantly, he's the head of the Virgin Group, which has businesses all over the world. Branson wants to be seen as a maverick, which is very clear from his world record from not only driving across the English Channel in an amphibious car, but also becoming the oldest person to kiteboard across it too, often with supermodels. He knows how to make a splash and he knows how to get your attention. But what if your goals are too big to just stumble into? Branson couldn't launch Virgin Galactic by being just authentic. Some things require intentionality. And in fact, taking the time to try and reverse engineer your outcome ensures that you're attempting to become the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. But Tom, this is where I disagree with you, because there's a difference between a company getting started intentionally and preserving their integrity all the way through. Ask any budding engineer who they prefer to work for out of SpaceX and Boeing. And I'd imagine that there's a good chance that they would probably pick SpaceX because I'm weighing up one very nimble startup where the employees have the freedom to innovate and will get genuine backing if they have strong ideas against another aerospace company where half of the company has a military division and does not innovate at the speed of SpaceX. And plus, being intentional here has a big downside. It might cause you to miss opportunities. Okay, but that's also completely ignoring the fact that if you can't combine your intentionality with tunnel vision, it might mean that you can't even capitalize on the opportunities that you've discovered in the first place. Tom, you're still wearing your visor here because that might get the wheels turning, but being too singularly tunnel visioned creates far less room for expansive thinking and spontaneity. Being tunnel visioned might help you paint a good part of the picture, but you will miss exactly how big the canvas really is. Yeah, but it's also kind of about getting started. With Lunchbox, I was tunnel visioned to a T. I ate, slept, and breathed it. That singular focus allowed me to create what I wanted. And what I want and what Lunchbox is, is evolutionary in relation to the marketplace. So I'm getting a better understanding of what it completely is. But if you can't get started, then you can't discover what your product might become or your business might become. And you, you take out the random chance that the path that you are on may lead you to somewhere unexpected. And when that path is backed up by passion, and that passion is paired with the twin threads of authenticity and ruthless execution, you simply can't argue with that. I'll close my argument today by using an analogy, and that is of the left brain versus the right brain. Much in the same way that our brain is split into two halves, intentionality and authenticity are almost polarized a lot of the time. Intentionality allows you to get to something in the future which you plan for or reverse engineer from the start. But authenticity allows you to be more creative. If you're true to yourself, then the only way is outwards. And you know that there's something out there, even though you might not know what it actually looks like. I think that they can exist in cohesion, but which way you choose to sway, that's up to you. 
But in true subject matter form, there's also a deeper point here too. Look at Slack, the work communication platform now considering an IPO. It started off as a lo-fi version of Minecraft that quickly became something else because people were using its communication part more. They were tunnel vision, they got started, and it transformed based off the need. Because of this, it was able to learn along the way and become something massive. And likewise, authenticity and passion together can help you get started. But it's being intentional about making the most of the opportunity along the way that makes it just impossible to stop. Listeners, we'd like to thank you for this episode of Subject Matter. And Ben, handed it off to you. Thank you, Tom. Always a pleasure chatting to you. Listeners, if you have enjoyed this episode, we would absolutely love it if you could subscribe over on iTunes. That is still where we are pushing to get into the top 100 new podcasts. And if you don't use iTunes and use Spotify, you can subscribe there or over on Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, thank you very much for listening and we will see you next week.